radio. It's a good ass black ass time. We taking it from the stage to the airway. Yes, yes, y'all. Welcome to another Smart, Funny, and Black Radio. I'm your host, Amanda Seals, joined by Jeremiah, like the Bible, and Tajrani. And me and D Wheels are now COVID free. Yes. Y'all was wondering why the fuck he wasn't nowhere and why I had glasses on. <laughs> And why I was in my house? Because we was down bad, baby. Down, I don't know why I just went to New Orleans. What was that? I mean, I, it, it sounded yeah, like you. It sounded like you went down to the pank. <laughs> to it's the, one of the many shout side out to effects. My boy Nico, by the way, uh, from P Valley, who went to school with Devon and I at SUNY Purchase. Yes, Jeremiah, we are connected. Okay, okay? if it ain't DP, it's SUNY. I'm right, somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so we're back. And also, shout out to everybody who respects that just because people are getting COVID for the first time now doesn't mean they don't deserve the same attention as y'all who got it a year and a half ago. My friends are trash. (laughs) Um, They'd be like, you good? And I'm like, no, I have COVID. And they're like, oh, that's crazy. (laughs) And then we never heard from them again. (laughs) Not the trail off. (laughs) Never heard from them again. Well, they're like, you know, you won't be in the hospital this time around. You know, you'll be in the house a little bit. Listen, I was vomiting, okay? Devon was like in a robe on the floor. Like we were (laughs) incapacitated in a real way. And what's also bonkers is that cats are very, they're just mm, intuitive. My cat, Lando, did not rock with me for the duration of my illness. The first morning that he came in the bed, I was like, oh, my God, I think, I feel like I could be better. I think I could be. And that was the first day that, like, I started feeling better. And then I tested negative that day. I see. Not Mm -hmm. Lando. It was all Lando. So shout out to all of y'all who showed us love. (laughs) Also. Want to announce that the Amanda Seals Black Outside Again tour is going down. Yes. Ah, we are Black Outside Again. Listen, it's been two and a half years since I've been on this road. And I'm very excited to be coming back and getting on stage and giving y'all some stand-up comedy and giving y'all some Smart Bunny and Black shows. Go to AmandaSeals.com and check when I'm coming to Yo City. Uh, I can tell you off the top of my head, I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. in July. We'll be in Raleigh in North Carolina. North Carolina in July. Uh, I'll be in Portland and Seattle in August. We got Fox Theater in Atlanta. We got Brooklyn, the King's Theater. Where Brooklyn at? We got Detroit in there. We got Nashville in there. (laughs) It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot going on. And there will be dates added. So let me also say that. If you don't see your city there right now, keep on checking because it might be added and you can come see the show. So shout out to everybody who has been supporting me and my work, etc. And I hope that we get to see each other in person when I come to your city for the Amanda Seals Black Outside Again tour. Or go to amandaseals.com for the tour dates to get your tickets today. Now, whew, that was a lot. Um, how are we feeling? How black are we feeling today? Great question. Mm-hmm. How black do you feel today? <laughs> that run gets me every time. Taj, like the Mahal. How black are you feeling today? <laughs> um, I'm feeling as black as coordinated outfits on a beach vacation because mm. we all know black people love uh, a matching set. A matching set we just do. for a photo op. We um, do. We do. And I'm going away in a couple of weeks, so that is how black I'm feeling. Is either a matching but, set or an all white situation? We love an all white honey. every time. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. How black are you feeling today, Jeremiah? I am feeling as black as Marsha P. Johnson because it is Pride Month, guys. It is Pride Month, and you are our resident gay. <laughs> Yay! Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, you know, Marsha P. Johnson is credited with, like, you know, the Stonewall uh, uprising and kind of like one of the leaders of liberation. Um, gay liberation also was a black trans woman. So, you know, celebrating all queer identities, specifically black queer identities because yes. mm-hmm. this is smart funny and black. Blair identities. <laughs> um, and also just, can we just also note for those who are listening, like queer people aren't black people. Yes, they are. Yeah. There are black queer people. Some people feel like LGBTQIA+. You say it now, Jeremiah. LGBTQIA+. Yes! 
<laughs> you did it. Some people feel like LGBTQ plus uh, rights are not black rights. Like right. we don't need to concern ourselves with that. However, there are black people who are in the LGBTQIA plus community. And by the way, if you are black and in that community, you don't get the same access to rights as the white whites. people. Well, even with a Stonewall uh, uprising, a lot of times people overlook Marsha P. Johnson's um, contribution. contribution as a black trans woman. It's like, well, that's kind of who started all this stuff. You know, again, black people, black I'm, women. I mean, just a point about what you're saying about, yes, black queer people are black people and deserve the same rights. You guys wouldn't have a civil rights movement Bayard without Rustin. Bayard Rustin. So we all just, and if you've never heard the name, Google him. Um, but yeah, like Langston Hughes, a full queen, honey. Okay. James Baldwin. Giving it to you. So many people, so many people. Yes, Audrey Lord. I mean, the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. So that being said, how black do I feel today? Yes. You know, I feel as black as the Summer of Soul. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, the documentary that just won Best Documentary and shout out to Questlove. But I feel as black as the Summer of Soul because this is the Summer of Seals. <laughs> Yes. (laughs) And I'm about to be out here in this bitch. Black outside. I'm black outside again. And so y'all about to come out and we about to just laugh out loud. (laughs) Make sure you wear your sunscreen while you're black outside as well. That's true because we do suffer from melanoma as well. Yes. Uh, Which you mentioned it. I'm feeling today. And also just, you know, my shows are very black. Like we will be singing the Negro National Anthem at every show. Yes. So if you're listening to us right now and you're saying to yourself, I want to come out to an Amanda Seals show, it would behoove you to learn the anthem. (laughs) Learn the anthem. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because we don't want to see you there like mouthing watermelon. (laughs) Particularly because saying watermelon in place of the Negro National Anthem is extra racist. Yes. But also because Amanda will definitely stop everything down and will start from the top. Mm -hmm. So learn the words. Yeah. And while you're at it, just learn the electric slide too, just in case. I mean, I feel like mm-hmm. don't black people kind of come out the womb kind of knowing the electric slide at this point? It's like you, you just learn it. It's like a rite of passage, so to speak. Well, I feel like it's just mm. there. It's in your essence. Like yeah. it's a pre- it's around you. So mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I need to know this. Mm-hmm. So let me learn this. To multiple songs. To multiple to mul- songs. To any song. Because never, it's never to, it's electric. No. Okay, no, no. okay, okay. Well, the, the actual song right. <laughs> that we do as the, you know, black barbecue moment in Smart Funny and Black is... Before I let go, because mm-hmm. that is the shared communal agreed upon song for electric sliding. It is mm-hmm. at a black gathering. Uh, but we are going to electric slide into some black news for that ass. I just feel like we don't have enough time on this show. I have we so don't. many things that I want to say that we don't have time to talk about, which is why you should go to the Amandaverse because the things that I don't get to talk about here, I'm talking about at the Amandaverse. So you want to find out what that means, what that is, go to the Amandaverse.com. It's basically a universe of Amanda. And, you know, I'm always creating content for free. So you might as well pay me for it. Might um, as well. Might as well. because <laughs> listen, Biden ain't. <laughs> All right. Um, let's get into this Black Carrot news. I'm going to say this for a story because, you know, it's near and dear to me. Yes. Okay. Star Wars star Moses Ingram, who plays Reva Savander, Savander, Savander in the new, they never say her last name, Savander in the new Star Wars installment, Obi-Wan Kenobi, has been taking some unnecessary and uncalled for racist heat on these internets. Of course, just like they did John Boyega, the folks is coming out the woodwork saying that she doesn't belong in the Star Wars universe because of her being black, which I I just always love how they're just like, yeah, it makes sense that there's a universe with a Jabba the Hutt, okay? (laughs) It, It completely, it makes sense that there's a universe with a Jar Jar Binks, but a black person in this A Chewbacca. In this whole Chewbacca R2-D2 But not you nigga (laughs) (laughs) Please Please We're back guys in studio We're back in studio It's just, it, it is so frustrating to me. Moses uh, spoke about it on her Instagram and others came to her, her support. You know, Ewan McGregor, who plays Obi-Wan. Wow. <laughs> Ewan McGregor came to her support. He's uh, playing Obi-Wan as yes. well as, I, to my knowledge, John Boyega did as well. And mm-hmm. like the Star Wars franchise. Yeah, they spoke out about um, it. But ultimately, it's like the consistent space for racists to be racist 
it's so irritating. Like Mickey Guyton, the country singer, like she getting mm-hmm. the same bullshit. It's just like, what? Like what? What do we do? I mean, I think what's interesting about this whole thing, like I'm not an avid Star Wars fan, but I've seen like the first few installments of it. Um, the you know original you know ones. What that means to you? The original ones, like you know okay. the first three. Okay. Um, and I'm like, to my understanding, the whole premise of the first of, of the all, franchise is a critique of society now if that yes. makes sense or society the then Empire, and now yes so the fact that there is like this racism from fans it almost kind of like it's contradictory in a way it's like this whole right this is supposed to teach you you were supposed to destroy the Sith yes not join them <laughs> exactly wow the real ones understood what that meant also let me point out in that first installment series that you're speaking of yeah Lando Calrissian not only was Lando Calrissian a black man he was played by one of the blackest mm-hmm. men of all time Billy D. Williams. Yeah. One of the finest. And James Earl Jones is the voice of Darth Vader. You better know that and say that. You know I know a little bit of song, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't understand why people have issues with fictional characters. <laughs> Megan McCain, who has a show on Sirius. Uh, not Megan McCain. Megan. Kelly. Yeah, who has a show on Sirius. Um, I was going to say Megan Markle for a One year when she was on Fox News about how Santa, there cannot be a black Santa. Santa. Like, y'all made a white Jesus. Why can't we have a black Santa? Well, speak about it. Speak about I mean, it. Talk, that really, talk past the... It's really and truly, but um, to your point, really and truly, but to your point, you know, people find any space and time to be racist and just to be hateful. It's done. It's not like she got cast and it's gonna. It's not going to happen. It's done. But people were kind of upset that Disney and Lucasfilms did not get ahead of this. Because what they should saw, they have done, they think? Um... Like they should have had like the Jedi return for Juneteenth. Well, no, I think that I feel like people. I'm on a roll today. You hear me? You I'm are. back in it, y'all. I'm back in the game. I guess people felt like they should have just anticipated this happening. Which, yes, but also it's not like they're going to put out a statement beforehand. I was like say, you know, what would they have done. She's she's black, and I want you guys to be calm. Like, there's no way to know how cruel people will be but um but yeah. I'm serious though what what would they have anticipated what would they have expected I I don't know the Twitter was talking and that's what they were saying that's your place talk to your people come back with some inst- not insights. me not me talk to my people I once the conversation goes too far left I leave because <laughs> it becomes too left. much that's why Taj left, left Clubhouse someone <laughs> called Taj a coon on Clubhouse and she was like never again it happened and <laughs> that did happen um and it was basically because I was trying to help someone not say something that could incriminate themselves Ooh. or uh, get them not hired for future jobs. But that is so you were that being helpful, and people. I was trying to be helpful. I know a lot about that. Yeah, I was. I was trying to be helpful. The person was going off about a previous employer and all this other stuff, and I was like, "Hey, like, this is a conversation that should happen somewhere else, not here." And there ended up being a separate clubhouse room Ooh. about how <gasps> me and this other girl that not a breakout room. room about you. <laughs> Yes. You know my mama said you popular. Please. Yeah, me and this other girl, we had all worked together at one point, but they were like, they should have just let him talk. But it's also like, you're riding his dick. Stop. Stop. Was his dick writable? What? I mean, like... No, it was kind of ridiculous. But I just feel like, you know... Ridiculous. Yeah. But pick me energy is always heavy. I just also feel like, at the end of the day, there's no reason why... You would take your time out of loving the new installment of Star Wars to just invoke and inspire hate. Like there's that actually is really good. I'm loving Obi-Wan Kenobi and um, really appreciating what they're adding to the canon. Well, let's talk about the art because we see this across the board. Like you said, even with Mickey Guyton in um, Country, people had these mm-hmm. same critiques of um, Haley. Um, I'm not Haley. Haley um, Bailey. Oh, yeah, Haley Bailey. Taking on the Little Mermaid as the first black Little Mermaid. But that she's was the literally whole thing. a swimming fish. And yeah, they were like, like no. There's no way. You can't be a black <laughs> mermaid. Or even uh, on Paramount Plus, they did a, a reinstallment or reboot of iCarly, and they had a black girl come in to replace one of the um, former friends. And there was a whole thing about that. And I think like Paramount has to like, release a statement about it. Like, you know, chill out. Like, she's here, and it is what it is. Like, I, I mean, when I was on The Real, even though there's like a full panel of diverse people, they were like, you can't come on the show and talk about black things. We didn't watch the show for that. It's like, that's kind of Shout out to The Real. The Real just got canceled and it did its last uh, episode last week. So shout out to my girls, uh, Jeannie Mai and Adrian Bailan and, you know, the folks over there. They had a good solid run. Mm-hmm. Eight seasons. Yeah, eight seasons. Speaking of run, <laughs> uh, some folks is going to be running out the house. <laughs> 
because they don't got a place to stay no more in Kansas City. That is true. So if you have been under a rock or you don't live in Kansas City, <laughs> um, Kansas City um, Kansas City is banning co-living effective immediately, effective immediately, meaning there are no roommates. So in Shawnee, um, Kansas, unanimously they banned co-living in some zoning districts, targeting unrelated um, roommates who split the cost of rent, which is crazy because there also was, they made this ban in spite of data that presented that that basically demonstrated that the housing price in Johnson County, which this is, is rose 37 percent between 2017 and 2021. Mm-hmm. So what is the What do you think is the impetus behind this? What are they actually trying to make happen? I honestly don't know. I read the I article and I was like, I'm trying to like get to the bottom of it. Like this doesn't make sense across any level. Like we all mm-hmm. live in. LA County and I'm like well they could never do this is how you know no. that there's no record, no television <laughs> entertainment industry in Kansas City because in Los Angeles honey th- this is the only way people are surviving yeah I mean thankfully I don't have a roommate thank God knock on wood but did you ever? no surprisingly I, I almost did when I first moved to LA I almost had a roommate situation and I that's a very don't. unique experience I was about to say because I definitely I'm sure I'm like the bible y'all you know wow Calm anointed down. like that uh, bible it's, it's, anointed, it's anointed like extra let me stop gifts. before I got rip my list again <laughs> <laughs> and next is gonna be like hey guys so just so you know update no <laughs> yo I can't Jeremiah like the magazine <laughs> no I had a I had a roommate here until like a year ago and when I moved here I had Two roommates. Partially, I did not have a car. I didn't know what was going on in L.A. So I did want to live with people that lived here. It was a great situation in Sherman Oaks, like spacious, all that. But like for me to have come out here as quickly as I did and to think I was just going to get it together all by myself immediately. Like it just wasn't it would have been an ignorant financial decision for me to make. That's I went real. on a date with someone far too young for me at one point. <laughs> oh. um, love you, D. Wells. We're together now. Um <laughs> But at one point, I was just out here in the world, you know, looking for love in all the wrong places. And I went, we, so we like went for ice cream and then we like pulled, I, I, he was taking me to the airport. And so we had time to kill. And so he was like, oh, you want to stop by the crib? I'm like, sure. So we pull up to his um, spacious home in Sherman Oaks. And I hear like a, a lot of ruckus uh, coming from inside. And I was like, oh, like what's happening? This sounds like loud. And he was like, oh, those are my roommates. And I was like, that's. That was like a lot of sound, though. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I have five roommates. <laughs> he lived in a boarding house uh, compound. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And he goes, but I have my own room. And that's when I knew. That's when I flew out of my body and looked down at myself and was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I will say five roommates is a bit excessive. I'm like. That's so normal for L.A. I can't even imagine. Even growing up, I have siblings. I can imagine. Like, we're like, they're, we're spaced out by age. But I cannot imagine all of us living together at one time. But there's also the reality that some people just like to live like that. Like, mm-hmm. Jamila Jamil, the actress from The Good Place, like, and from Legendary, she mm-hmm. was telling me that she, I mean, she, she has a man. Like, she's, like, engaged or married by now to James Blake. And she lives with, like, three other guys who are, like, her homeboys. And they live in, mm-hmm. they all live together, like, by choice. Like, it's not like a... It's not an orgy situation. It's yeah. not a, they're just homies and they like to live together. But the thing about it, too, is, and I know we have to move on, you know, there have been articles the past couple of years. Um, there was a group of women who decided in older age that they just wanted to cohabitate yeah. like the Golden Girls. And at the end of the day, at I some guess. point, well, no, well, well, like, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes it is about security. Sometimes it is about <laughs> comfort. And I do think that because this has nothing they never really mention anything about age in this article. But mm. if it is a group of older people, like us two sisters and like their friend or something like that, let them live. And let them split their rent. Right. And let, with them. And why, make, why is this country trying to make it so hard for people to live? Like, they don't want people here no more? <laughs> I'm like, where am I supposed to live at now? What? Like, where, where? I can't live with nobody else. Can't live by myself. It's, it's even laws against being homeless. Can't be homeless. What, what am mm-hmm. I supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? Well, you know what? What what this country is supposed to do is pay black folks. Yes. Well, Cut a check. And speaking of paying black people, California is taking the first steps to make sure that black people get reparations in some way, shape, or form. And that is huge. It's huge. So according to NB- NPR, there was a report that was released that's about 500 pages and 13 chapters long. And it stated the following. So it's roots. It's <laughs> literally. Written by. Literally. Um, but basically, they said, along with the dereliction of its duty to protect its black citizens, direct federal 
state and local government actions continue to enforce the racist lies created to justify slavery. Mm -hmm. These laws and government-supported cultural beliefs have since uh, formed the foundation of innumerable modern laws, policies, and practices across the nation. Question. Do you know if Kimberly Crenshaw was a part of any of this? I didn't see her name in the article. Because that last sentence is the actual foundation of critical race theory. Not this bullshit that these um, white folks in the republicanisms. I can't Mm -hmm. even just say white folks because there are plenty of anti-black black black folks that are joining them. You know, when when, when they're calling like going to school and speaking about history, like they're calling that critical race theory. And that's Mm -hmm. actually not what it is. This last sentence, the laws and government supported cultural beliefs have since formed. So the racist laws and government supported beliefs have since formed the foundation of innumerable modern laws, police and practices. That is the actual foundation of, of critical race theory, that all the laws in this nation, by nature of the fact that they were born out of a racist mm-hmm. ideology, are inherently racist. Yes. Carry on. I was just showing off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So basically, recommendations in this document include policing reforms, Ooh. housing grants to compensate families who are forcibly removed from their homes to make way for state projects like freeways and parks, which well. is really, really big, um, allowing incarcerated people to vote and proactively recruiting black teachers to teach in K through 12 schools. <laughs> How are they going to pay the K through 12 teachers? So here's my question. Mm-hmm. Was this put together by or was this supported at least by Governor Gavin Newsom. Yes, he was the person who kind of like led the charge or put it in place in 2020. Now, you know what? I didn't really know much about Newsom and I should have because I live here um, (laughs) and I'm a taxpayer. But when I saw that these folks was working so hard to recall him is when I knew Mm -hmm. something We need to pay attention because if they're going to go this hard and Mm -hmm. then try to replace him with a bass fish looking nigga, then they must have something up their sleeve. I mean, I will say once uh, Gavin gave me that $600 stimulus shake, I was like, thanks, Gavin. (laughs) Thanks, Gav. I think he's trying to make a play to run for president of California when we secede. I was, about to, I, was like I, I was I was waiting for it to get there because I was like, um, what was interesting wow. about this when I look into this, I'm like, when I think of California, though, I don't actually think of slavery, so to speak, because you think of it geographically as the South. But mm-hmm. through this um, report, they kind of talked about how although California was a free state, it did kind of contribute to supporting slavery in slave states. But also the things that happened post-slavery, whether that be um, preventing interracial marriage, um, Voting suppression, things like that that you don't think about. Three strikes law. All those things that affect black people post-slavery in their um. I mean, there's like an entire gang in the LAPD. Well. You know, that's a whole other conversation. Well, this is, you know, in a, in a, in a continual uh, storm of fuckery that we have all been in the midst of, this is a glimmer of light yeah. and good news. So g- glad to hear that there's effort being made. And I'm also loving the distinct spe- specificity in the language, right? Like there isn't this like speaking about it like there's an air of racism yeah. like no. no to enforce the racist lies created there was one person one time who said something very very mean to us and so you know all we can really um do you, you know, think your home state of florida will follow suit <laughs> reparations i think florida will be underwater before <laughs> We see reparations. I mean, I think if Stacey Abrams takes Georgia um, in this upcoming um, governor's race, I think Georgia might maybe. Fingers oh my crossed. God. Do you think that's even possible? Well, where I live at in Metro Atlanta, like DeKalb County, where I live, where I used to live. I was going to say, are you from actual? <laughs> in DeKalb County, there is, it's turned blue. That whole part of the yeah. um, map turned blue. And it was like, wow. And even for the um, presidential race, you saw like the countdown coming down to like those um, districts. And I was like, wow, it's like, the power of the vote. Mm-hmm. So I think it happened. I think it happened. I mean, the gerrymandering has been very, very serious. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we got to keep hope alive. We got to stay focused. We got to stay on the ground. You know, I've been really seeing folks start to open their minds a bit more to the necessity of voting. I see all these folks talking about gun laws and gun control. And I mean, it seems like the, for what it's worth, like there has been a sort of groundswell that people have started to connect on when it comes to gun control and gun control is 100% not supported by the Republican party. So some of those people, if they're going to look at single voters, you know, single issue voters, like that's the issue for them. And that may be what ends up bringing people over to push things in the, Mm -hmm. in the Democrat convention, in the Democrat direction, which is not necessarily like the, it's not the be all end all, but at least it's uh, moving us in a direction away from, Foolishness. The Handmaid's Tale. (laughs) Uh, So that being said, uh, we want to keep the joy going with the Black Joy Moment. Mm -hmm. A story of Black Joy. 
So you guys know, I don't know much about tennis outside of King Richard and, you know, that movie. Yeah. Um, and what I saw on those things, which looked pretty well. You know, it's a lot of tennis and a lot of hitting the ball oh, in yeah. the racket, you know. Okay, so no, King he Richard, read, he meant what he said. I was he just about to say. Anything. He said hitting the ball and just things. There were rackets, there were balls, and there were great actors, great acting. Um, but in real life, our Black Joy story is about Coco Goff, who is now the youngest person to make it to the French um, Open Finals in 20 years. Mm-hmm. 20 years. Is there any, like, she's the first black in here? I don't think first black, but she Great is. Because um, I'm really tired of hearing first black anything in no. 2020. I was just about to say But that. also, like, uh, last week, she also just graduated high school in, like, Paris, which oh. also was crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. So in Paris? In Paris. Yeah. She's French. She, no, no, she's, she's American. she's from here, but they were... I was going to say, playing. I didn't know playing. Coco was French. Yeah, no, she was playing. playing. So she so. had to, like, miss her, like... That's right. a flex. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, guys, can't be a graduation because I'm going to be in Paris, like, <laughs> playing. So. Playing for the tennis I'm open. Done. So, like, being 18, you know, being the youngest person to, uh, in 20 years, graduating, it's like, I hope she's, like, taking in this momentous um, occasion in her life in this moment. Mm-hmm. But I also like the fact that she took this moment to also acknowledge ending gun violence. Like, she wrote on the camera, like, on the at the one of her matches, in gun violence. Because um, she said she wanted to kind of spread that message um, internationally and abroad. She's like, obviously, people know what's going on in America, but I have this platform. I hope the world is kind of looking at me and they can kind of, you know, see what's going on. It's going to be the youth, y'all. Every single time. And, um... I love this story because I love tennis and I'm obsessed with Serena Williams, the GO greatest athlete ever. Ever? Not just on the court, ever. Okay. You ever. Who else loves tennis? Individual sport. He- D. Wills. D. <laughs> Wills, our producer and engineer, uh, we moved to a neighborhood where there was a tennis court available and he would not play tennis with me because he was like, I think tennis is stupid and I hate it. And then he woke up one morning and said, I had a dream that I'm really good at tennis. So let's start playing tennis. And then the nigga was really good at tennis. <laughs> and it to this day is one of the most annoying developments ever. And I like was busting, like he was busting my ass. And I had to go to my tennis coach and say like, we have to change everything. Because up until this point, it's just like, we come here and we have a leisurely play with tennis. And I was like, no, I need strategy. I need to get focused. I can't let this go down. I mean, there's something very like, you know, MLK about that. Like having a dream and just, you know. <laughs> wow, I'm dead. So, I mean, I feel like D. Wills and Dr. King, Dr. King has some type of synergy happening. I don't know. I and mean, he had an injury. No. Not was, an injury. <laughs> you know who else was almost like psychic telepathic according to biopics Harriet Tubman so you know naturally so yeah. Harriet Tubman D. Wills Dr. King <laughs> yeah there's like a thing happening I don't know I don't know hilarious I have never been to a Grand Slam tennis match <sighs> They're good. They're good? They're good. I mean, I would love to go. My mom has been a huge tennis fan, and I grew up watching Pete Sampras and... Andre Agassi. Yes. Who was the man who used to hit the the court with the um, racket? The Uh, crazy white man. John McEnroe. McEnroe. Yes. Who is now a commentator, but he gave the Williams sisters hell when uh, they first came out. Like, would talk shit, and it was just like, bro, you're the main one. I also get frustrated with just the fact that, like, to your point, he... He was the main one. Mm-hmm. But then they act like when Serena would like question the ump, like mm-hmm. it's they, a problem. Yes. It's like she's being so extra, et cetera, et cetera. Without the Williams sisters being extra, we have to also note that Coco Goff and all of the young women like Naomi Osaka that play these Sloan days with Sloan Stevens, they would not have equal pay on the court. Equal pay on the court was not a thing. And that movement was started by Billie Jean King in the 70s, early 80s, but the Williams sisters were really able to push it forward because, I mean, they knew they were the main draw, so it's like, run us out of coins. Come on, tennis history. You can't see these beads swaying in the wind. (laughs) The beads. And shout out to soccer. Women's soccer apparently has just achieved Mm -hmm. uh, equal pay. And you want to talk about something that's deserved because the U.S. men's soccer team is a losing team. Damn! Like, it's giving, it's giving, they were giving Knicks tape for years and years and years. But that women's team, it was giving It's something about women's teams always are superior. Although, like, even with the um, Olympics, like the women's track and field, they were, like, killing it. And the men's track and field for the United States was terrible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, not terrible, but, like, I mean, I think there's also just, like, ego. Right. Like and the women's spaces oftentimes don't even get to have ego because we're coming from behind um, and trying to just like get focused. Mm -hmm. And that now needs to also be respected by the men. It needs to be from behind. (laughs) It needs to be respected by the men and the men need to do what Kobe Bryant did and back the women in these spaces. Men should be doing that across the board anyway. But um, that's that. That's that. You know what else? 
we got uh well that's that on that. We that got is that on that. Black up black of the, what's wrong with me right now? I'm having a brain fart. We're having a back, back of the, the class. class. <laughs> there <laughs> we go. Back, we have Daphne comedian Daphne Springs joining us back at a class. I am your host, Amanda Seals, joined by Jeremiah Like the Bible. And Tajrani. And you are listening to Smart Funny and Black Radio on your Monday morning. We are bringing you that Friday night vibe to your Monday morning drive. Stick with us because we'll be back with more laughs. Smart Funny and We are back here at Smart Funny and Black Radio. I am your host, Amanda Seals, joined by... Jeremiah Like the Bible. And Tajrani. And we are going to the back of the class with today's guest, Ms. Daphne Spring. Hey! Welcome! Welcome to the show, Daphne! Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. You know, uh, I consider myself for the people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're in the right place. You are in the right place. So the way we start all of our interviews here at Smart Funny and Black Radio is we always got to start with a little game. Okay? So today's game is called Slanguistics. The guest will be given a black colloquialism and must buzz in and tell us what it means, use it in a sentence, and for a bonus point, tell us where it's from. So for example, the word could be John. So you Mm -hmm. would tell us, okay, that's a person, place, or thing. In a sentence, man, I forgot that John's name, but she was bad. (laughs) And then for the bonus, you would tell us that John is a term that was born in Philadelphia. Okay, I'm ready. All right, Taj, start us off. Okay, so the first word is Wody. Okay, Wody is what you would use to express somebody that was walking by. So like, yo, Wode. Like, I just feel like that's somewhere in like New Orleans and how they would approach somebody that they know. Like, Wode. You know, okay, you got it's that. equivalent you got that. You to John. It's, it's like the New Orleans of John, Philly. Yes. Okay, well, let me ask, let me, D. Wills, can Wode be used for a stranger? Okay, so then we're going to give her the point. Yes. Give her the point, G-Wells. Give her the point. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. The next term is JIT. Oh, that's from Florida. Okay, so <laughs> JIT is like, um, it's somebody that's like younger than you, right? So like, yeah, like you ain't on my level. You cool, but I don't respect you like where I'm at in life. So it's like, yo, them little JITs over there smoking. <laughs> Uh, the little jit stole out of my grandma's house and I'm going to beat him up when I Yo. see him. And that is Florida all day. Yes, that is correct. That is correct. All right. Last one. Jeremiah, you choose. Hmm. Let's see. Okay, let's go with Molly Wop. Molly Wop. Molly Wop is when somebody done tried you and you done had enough of their BS. <laughs> so you like, yo, I'm a Molly Wop you. And I feel like Molly Wop is when you take like the hair and you make me wipe the floor with their face. <laughs> Molly Wop. Extra points and Molly for Molly Wop the... comes from, I don't know, I feel like it comes from Colorado. <laughs> Not, yo, so it was like the one black person that was in Colorado <laughs> told a white person, "I will molly wop you," and I don't know because I'm and it just spread. It just <laughs> but it is actually from Chicago, even though Pierce is oh. in the studio here. Swears he's like, I ain't never heard that in Chicago, but he's also a youth, so he may have missed that. He but we gonna give you that. So yes, shout out to Daphne Express. I also feel like. I also feel like Daphne should get extra points for the actual acting out, the demonstration yeah. of Molly yeah. Watt. You know. No, you gotta make that noise. <laughs> well, you know, here at Smart Funny Black Radio, we are all about education. 
And so we like to talk with our guests about like what was school like because it was different for everybody. So what were you like in school? And it could be any time, whether it's elementary, middle, high school. Like where? What was your vibe? My vibe was different because, um, like I always like to tell everybody, my daddy was bad with money, so we moved a lot. Um, you know, when you got a parent that's bad with money and don't mind picking up moving, it's like equivalent to being in, in foster care with your parent. You <laughs> every day with the same person that looked just like you. So um, it depends on where I was living. When I was in Minnesota, oh. I was like the HBIC. I went to a predominantly white school. <laughs> And they just loved me up there. Like, I was just like, I was Jesus, Minnesota. Okay. It was Duluth, okay. Minnesota. I was a little baby Jesus back, had my little hair braided and everything, hair wool. Um, so little baby Jesus was going through there. And I remember these white kids used to take me to the corner store every day and just buy me a whole bunch of snacks. They was oh. on me. Wow. Okay. Now, when you go to school with black kids, uh, it's just something different. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't in the cool... Um, group of kids at all. Um, I think it's because I was skinny. I was real, real skinny. And it was like, because my mama didn't wasn't feeding me all of that pork and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, we ate good meals. Uh, so right. But my healthy dad, meals. Yeah, my dad used to fish a lot, so we ate fish. Uh-huh. So I was actually the normal size of a child. <laughs> all of these other kids was on birth control and obese. So, you Don't know, if, be- if you don't got a little ass and titties in high school, <laughs> you know, you're not in the cool crowd. You need oh, at least, you know, know a C cup mm-hmm. and, and, and like a little Beyonce bump in the back <laughs> in order to be a part of the cool kids. So That's... therefore, because of body style, <laughs> I wasn't a part of the cool kids. But guess what? I still was. I still had the personality. Boom. Okay, per. And you eventually right. got titties. Per. Per. I, I bought them, but they mine. <laughs> <laughs> You have Her. beautiful titties. Let me give you props Thank for your you. boobs. They, I mean, listen, and job. I feel like if you're going to buy them, you want them to show up. That's okay. Yeah. And, to look and good. don't go do your stuff in America. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, a fat American titties. I've never heard anyone use Made in America for, <laughs> yeah. her, for, for body augmentation. I support American physicians. I support American made birth. Because um, you can mollywop them in court. How about that? <laughs> that's, that's true. That's you true. do that shit in Colombia, they, you it is what it is. I mean, I can go ask you to exit left. I'm really interested in the fact that, you know, you talked about the two experiences um, going to school with white kids and black kids. I feel like with white kids, it's kind of like being black is cool. So no matter what you do, you kind of yeah. set the trend. Unless you're in Alabama. Well, well yeah, that's a little, well. bit diff- a little bit different. Oh, yeah, it depends on the time. Dep- zone, depends know. on the era. <laughs> uh, but when you're with black kids, there are other things that kind of play a part in what makes you cool, what deems you cool. Um, there's like yeah. other things that rank you. What do you feel like was like outside of your personality? What, what, do, what do you think you kind of fit in with the other kids, though, outside of being cool? Like what was your who, who was your clique? Who was your circle? My circle was just some cool people. We hung and sat together at lunch. Sometimes we rolled. Sometimes we chilled. We hung out. We was just like a little community, you know, uh, people that would come over my house because my mama, I was her only child. So I was always cool to my friends because I had snacks, yes. right? My mama would get me the good snacks and the good little stuff. That's important. Good little popsicles. Mm-hmm. So if you came over, you do like, oh, this it's lit over here. You know what I mean? Whereas other kids, when when you got a, a three, four, five brothers and sisters, you got it's survival mode. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned going to these two different schools, as Jeremiah reiterated. But did you have any black teachers along that w- the way that l- left a a lasting impression? God, I can't talk right now. You know what? Um, I would say it was a black principal. Um, he used to come. He, I remember the school was kind of getting. A, it wasn't out of control. It wasn't like you know lean on me. Cool. But it's it was so funny you say that, Daphne. We're gonna put a pin in that real quick because Tosh this weekend finally saw Lean on Me. This I'm is not a shame. This is a callback for other SFE radio fans. Wait, how did he get this job? <laughs> no, it's a, it's me. It's me. I'm oh, okay. Tosh. How did you get this job? <laughs> um, Great question. It's just it's just a blind spot for me. That's you know, it. She had the nerve to say she didn't understand what all the hoopla was about. Absolutely. Like still after watching it, I watched <laughs> it and I was like, guys, for real, I can't get Look my two face. hours back. 
But have you guys ever noticed seeing something in the same era that it came out and seeing it now, it can be a different experience? Because I've seen movies later and I'm like, <laughs> like I've seen I even seen comedy specials that they was like back in the oh, 80s and lying. 90s people's like this person was lit and I'm like hmm <laughs> you know what I mean like, yeah. but I feel like you're not wrong you're not wrong but this is why I feel like the next step is then to be like okay let me take my consciousness back to that time I did I just well, who still... ever known a, a, a student at your school doing crack cocaine? Well, I so... know nobody and talk about jumping off the building. I never known anybody do it's... that at my school. Do you do crack? Like it was just it's, it was too much. <laughs> it was too much for me and my soul. And you just stop doing crack and then you start going to class. Like you not gonna go to rehab? <laughs> like, like literally. You know what? Daphne, the this, math is not this math. This conversation has gone off the rails. Daphne has okay. now. <laughs> Daphne has gone to Taj's side. This dude just <laughs> stop doing crack and start short up the school. Like, like you not having no withdrawals. I will all. say though, lean on me, walk so Euphoria could run. I will say yes. that. Well, yes. truth. Yes, because in Euphoria, they are absolutely doing crack. They doing fe- they doing, doing all everything possible. Mm-hmm. They, everything if crack possible. Crack could do crack. That's what they doing. Oh. <laughs> that's what they doing in Euphoria. Okay, so sorry, I interrupted, but you said that your school it wasn't like turnt like lean on me, but the principal. It was just kids being rowdy, roasting and loud in the hallway sometimes. And we had a principal and he would say he would come through the hallway. I don't know why he had all these keys. It was like he had all <laughs> oh the keys God. to every classroom on him. So you could always hear him coming because like, jing, 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 jing. We like, here go uh, <laughs> Jingle Man. <laughs> and he would always say little things. He would throw little metaphors out, out in the public, in the hallway. If you don't get the class... Your ass is grass. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. 1960, I felt like he went to that lean on me school. But um, but it was crazy. He would always say this stuff and he would try to be tough, but he wasn't really a tough guy. And then, so what happened one time is one girl fought him. She oh. beat his oh. ass. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. Yo. Talk about a last girl, impression. Because, you know, back in the day when we were going to school and stuff, we didn't know what mental illness was, right? Right. Mm. We didn't recognize it. You knew people was bad or had behavioral problems, but you never pinned it as this person might just actually be bipolar, right? Right. I didn't even learn those terms until I felt like I was in like my mid to late thirties. Mm-hmm. I felt like I'm. I said mid to late thirties. I ain't even. Okay, I'm not even that now. I mean, literally in my head, I was like, "Start." Tefnika's in her forties. I was like, "I was thinking." I was like, "She a good looking forty. Okay. (laughs) No, 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 I'm not, not, not yet. (laughs) But um, to my mid to late twenties is when I found out about people like really having mental illness and like being able to go on the internet and actually do research on it. But prior to that, this girl had to obviously be bipolar, and she beat that principal's ass. She beat a grown man. She mollywhopped him. She no, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she was a jet. In Colorado. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, whoa, day. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me this. Like, were you a comedian in school? Were you a class clown? Or did no. when did comedy come into the mix? Um, I didn't develop that personality, I feel like, until I moved to L.A. Mm. Um, wow. I, yeah, it was like it was just like something tapped into me um, that I wanted to do. But I didn't feel like I was like a class clown and stuff. I remember sometimes we used to joke on the boat with me and my dad. We would go fishing and his friends would come over there and a lot of people would get seasick. And so I used to learn how to be like, oh, uh, uh, and, you know, <laughs> stuff like that, because you'll see a grown man just like not in a good mood because it's almost like they was having their period. You know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, with that being said, I never felt like I was roasting. I mean, I didn't have any good compacts or anything. People would roast me and I'd just be like, good job. <laughs> My mother has a car. <laughs> so if you didn't My discover... My mother has a Land Rover that's new. <laughs> if you didn't discover like comedy to like LA, what did you see yourself being like when you were in school? Like what was your life path, your career goal? I felt like I was going to be a chemist, which I dropped out of college, 10 credits short of a chemistry degree, $55,000 in debt. Um, But yeah, so that was like my goal. And then I could have cured COVID. God damn. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least made a lipstick or two. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, that's what I wanted to do. It's because my dad was kind of in that field and I thought it was cool because I used to go to the lab with him when we lived in Duluth, Minnesota. He used to work with like rats. Like um, it's a lot of stem cell research in rats. And so, uh, yeah, we used to do that. So I thought, oh, this is cool, you know, because I he, when he went to college, he would bring me to the school and I would roam through the university, go to the cafeteria, hang out, go to the library, get on the computer and stuff like that. So this is just a part of my life. So I was like, yeah, this is what I want to be when I grew up. And then I went and worked there, an internship. I was like, ooh, no. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like you use any of those things you learned in college for chemistry in your art, your your comedy, your entertainment? Um, I feel like the analytical skills, absolutely. But outside of that, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think if I ever needed to kill somebody, I can come up with a formula. Okay. I, okay. But, what if, but what if that, that skill would... Make sure would... y'all clip this. We so was just, just take this talking out, edit about this. Out. this. <laughs> I don't I know. You might you might need those last ten credits to really like seal the deal, though. Those things you need might have been those last ten credits you didn't get. Not snapped. Let me test it on you. <laughs> <laughs> I plead the fifth. I, I, my bad, definitely. My bad. My bad. <laughs> of testing, we are going to get into our black pop quiz. This yes. is the blop quiz. Okay, don't take away my card. <laughs> <laughs> it's a black pop quiz. What it is. All right, now, we're going to run through a series of questions to get some thoughts on what bl- what black things Daphnique is into. First one, what is your black culture blind spot? So, like, what is an area of black culture that you just, it ain't your bag? An uh, area of black culture that's not my bag, I would say, um... If you you ever hear those black people like yeah every time I go to a city I want to visit the hood like I don't want to visit I don't want to go I don't I don't want to go I'm good I don't need to see how they live I don't want any Hennessy I don't I don't want to ever be in the potential where somebody be like ba 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 and they not a mass shooter they just they just bad at aiming, so they done <laughs> shot by four or five people. You know yeah. what I mean? Because they had a strife with one person. Like, yep. I just don't like being in those environments. Okay, so we know you won't be traveling to the hood anytime soon. <laughs> but if you were to take a trek to Mars, the red planet, what item would you take with you to help remember your blackness? The item I would take to help me remember my blackness would be... Um, ooh, I feel like that Nat Turner movie. Oh, oh. Birth of a Nation. Yeah, I'm gonna bring birth of wow. Yeah, because you might, you never know. They might need an uprising on Mars. You never know. Okay, <laughs> get together, get, get together some aliens and all that other kind of stuff. Because Elon Musk gonna try to turn us into slaves if any black people go there. Because it's nine months, nine months, not nine hours, nine months away from Earth. So yeah, damn, it's good. We're not gonna have to pick cotton. We're gonna have to pick rocks. <laughs> Please. Um. Can you name a black proverb that lives rent-free in your mind? Black proverb? Mm. Ooh, she is so precious. <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> that would be the one that lives in my mind because I don't know about you, Amanda. I don't know if they do this in Orlando, but definitely in Palm Beach County where older people don't have nothing nice to say and they don't mm. feel like everybody in the family getting mad at them they always be like ooh he is so precious <laughs> the baby be two, two years old with a Samuel Jackson face ooh he is so precious facts 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 <laughs> the baby walking around drool and they be like ooh he is precious <laughs> and say it with a smile so yeah so I learned whenever I don't have nothing nice to say I be like ooh that is so precious <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, this is your Black History question of the week. This North Carolina-born queer comedy legend left home at the age of 14 to start a career, which eventually led her to Harlem's Cotton Club, working with Zora Neale Hurston and a career that was fruitful until her passing in 1975. Is it LaWanda Page, Demita Joe DeBlanc, or Moms Mabley? Ooh, I want to say Mom's Maybelline. Maybelline. That is a black fan! Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yes. Hey! Yeah. Daphne, thank you so much for joining us! 
Yes. yes. Now, you are in New York, and so you said you're doing stand-up. So, I mean, you're getting up all over the place, I'm hoping, right? Yeah, like at least probably like 15 to 20 shows a week here. <laughs> New York is different. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to tell people, I'm like, LA, you lucky you get like three spots a month. <laughs> That's when you feel like, oh, I'm doing something. New York, three spots a night, easy. Um, where can people see more Daphne Springs on the internet, in person, et cetera? Yeah, always pull up on me when I come to your city. Um, you can find out more information, all the information about me on my website, uh, www.iamamdsprings.com. You and you're not trying to have them spell Daphne, huh? You was like, I'm gonna put D. Yeah, we just gonna put D. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And where can they follow you on these internets? Follow me at IMDsprings. Oh, that's perfect. it. Look, I left it simple. <laughs> D Springs, y'all. We here at Smart Funny Black love putting you on to folks. And so if you don't know about the comedy stylings of these springs, now you know where to find it. Thank you so much, Daphne. Yes. I'm waiting right, for the lip you. kit. Yes. Okay. Not the lip kit. <laughs> oh, you know what? I do have my own lipstick line, so yeah, See? you know. You do? Oh. Like, tell us about it. Yeah. It's uh I've got like five of Five colors and then like uh, three glosses. So yes, on my website. That's why I said everything is on there. So that chemistry. Wow. She not playing with y'all. She said stop okay, sleeping. Right. <laughs> All right. From the comedy club <laughs> to the corner store for your lipstick. Yeah, okay. I love it. Madam uh, CJ Walker over here for <laughs> lipstick. Listen. <laughs> Mm, 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 mm. It is that time again. Shout out to D Springs, Miss Daphne Springs, for joining us yes. back at the class. Um, Hilarious. You know, she has a lot of content on the internet that has a certain ratchetry about it, and a lot of it be having like it be about niggas having her fucked up <laughs> <laughs> and her her doing performing uh, characters that deal with niggas who have them fucked up. Uh, so shout out to D Springs and. What we love about this segment is that it gives you all the opportunity to testify, to get things off your chest, because I know that going into every week, you like, mm, I'll tell you what had me fucked up last week, and I don't mm-hmm. want it to have you fucked up this week. So let's, let's, let's just get it off our chest. And if you want to join in and have the possibility of your uh, NGMFU moment getting read, then all you got to do is leave who or what got you fucked up on our Instagram, Smart, Funny, and Black, or on our uh, at the Amandaverse where we post it uh, anywhere else on Twitter Twitter, Twitter on yeah. Twitter as well so there's a couple different portals everywhere. Everywhere. couple different portals for you to tell us about who got you in the upside down <laughs> that was a great Stranger Things reference thank you um, so for starters uh, Jamel Hill has told mm-hmm. us that drivers who ear hustle your phone conversations and then have the audacity to not even hide it when you're finally off the phone. Yeah, John was wrong for that. You was right to check him. Sir, have the decency to ear hustle and fake like you weren't paying attention. <laughs> I mean, like, I will say when I'm in the car, I get a light. I like to look over and see who's next to me. I don't think I've ever actually listened to someone's conversation. Yeah, but she's though. talking about like if she has a driver. because she's Oh, an actual driver. Right. Oh, that's way Remember. below my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a driver, guys. She's talking about being in a car Mm -hmm. with a driver that has been assigned to you and you are having your whole conversation and then they look in that rearview mirror and like join your conversation. (laughs) Yikes. Um, And then we have a comment from Cool Coots that says, I live in Portland. You can turn on the radio at any time and are guaranteed to hear Foo Fighters or Red Hot Chili Peppers. But I was just going to say that won't be a problem when you are in Portland. That is correct. I will be in Portland in... August, then you can go to amandaseals.com to find out how to, get, not to find out, but to find out when and so that you can get your tickets and be there. And I will not be singing Foo Fighters, but I will love you all ever long. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, Mary Effin Sunshine, so you already know she's super pleasant, um, says, my job requires me to have a car, a degree, and a special certification for $15 an hour. They tried it. What? And yeah, no clue. But you know what happens, and um, and they want you to do it with a smile. They want you to do it with a smile, and they don't want you to have roommates if you live in Kansas City. So, <laughs> and I, I feel would her. be remiss if I left behind this other Foo Fighters reference that you know when I come to your town, I hope that you sing. There goes my hero. I don't know what that means, but okay. Oh my god, it's a classic <laughs> Foo Fighters song. There goes my hero. 
it's what I used to play at a very loud, <laughs> loud volume when I was mad at my mother and I was the in teenage like my angst. angry, yeah, like my teenage angry white girl phase. Oh, like, God. watch him as he goes. This is like an early 2000s teen movie happening. Yeah, yeah because that was time. the music from the movie uh, Varsity Blues. Okay. That was... Let me. There's nothing like white teenage angst songs from the late 90s or early 2000s. That time in music is unmatched, but like, I just want to say my go-to was anything Linkin Park. Interesting. And he, like, I, I went See, to I Hot was, Topic. I had, le- I had left that space by that time. No, like anything Linkin Park. Like, I went to Hot Topic. I had to get a T-shirt. Oop. I was buying the albums, like, obs- like obsessed. Come on. Yeah. All right. It was real. Jeremy Spoken. Okay, all right. This is what happens when we're back in the studio, guys. (laughs) Literally. Also, just randomly, shout out to Pearl Jam because Pearl Jam stood up to Ticketmaster when they were going on tour and Ticketmaster was causing crazy, was adding crazy fines to their ticket sales. And they were just like, this is not fair to our fans. Like, we want our fans to be able to come and enjoy our show and you guys are price gouging them. And when I am putting together my tickets for my shows, I'm also very conscious about that because I want my people to come and see because I am trying to do comedy that uplifts and that doesn't mm-hmm. just make you laugh, but makes you think and learn and empowers, you know, because I really believe in community. So particularly our Smart, Funny and Black show dates will be in Detroit, will be in Atlanta, will be in uh, DC. LA, DC, Brooklyn. You know, I make it my business to make sure that there are a large number of $35 tickets and I am not playing around with making sure that there are also $35 tickets that are available in the front rows because I don't think money should be the de- the decider on whether or not you get to be in the best seat in the house. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it ends up being coming a first come, first serve situation. So when these tickets go on sale, as they are right now, and you want to get Let um, me go get my ticket real quick for, for 35 $35. <laughs> Because I can't afford a driver, but I can't afford a $35 ticket to be right. in the front row. <laughs> but you know what? You can afford to live alone. So good for you. you know, Amen. For you. God is good. God is good. Uh, um, so speaking of Smart, Funny, and Black live, we always end every show um, with a live clip. And this was one of my favorite shows ever. Uh, because we went to Princeton University and mm, had the opportunity. Prestigious. Yes, prestigious. And had the opportunity to have two of the greatest black minds of our time, Dr. Eddie Glaude and Dr. Armani Perry versus each other. And it really was a very, very tight race. Like, I mean, Armani ended up winning at the end of the day only because I didn't want to do another tie. <laughs> like, it, it was, in, but you're going to hear the, the wisdom. You're going to hear the wittiness right here as they played a game of Splain It. All right? So again, Amanda Seals back on tour speaking about myself in the third person making it seem <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you're not yourself like I'm not myself the Black Outside Again tour is here I'm so excited to come and see y'all so make sure you go to amandaseals.com get your tickets tell a friend because listen it's all about word of mouth when it comes to black folks mm-hmm. so yep. you know that's what it is I tell these, two of my friends. Listen, mm-hmm. these the, the met, like the, the 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 Instagrams, the Facebooks, etc. Like they're not trying to let us share information with each other. They're trying to make you have to sell ads and put money mm-hmm. in their pocket to get to your friends. Nah, put me in your group chat. The Amanda Seals Black Outside Again tour is coming to your town. Come on out with your friends or come by yourself because it's a community regardless. And you know why? Because I truly believe that we are each other's business. When we look out for each other, we lift each other up. See y'all next week. Smart funny and I just appreciate that you're not wearing a zoot suit. <laughs> Tailored Taylor Gang. Okay. Let's jump it off in three, two, one. The zoot suit is reflective of the ways in which black people stylize black space and time. The way they take advantage of their bodies as as a source of art. We see the suit, right, in so many ways, affecting blackness in space. But what's interesting, in June of 1943, we saw the Zoot Suit riots. The Zoot Suit riots had everything to do with those who were overseas, white folk fighting the war, while Mexicans, people of color, black people were wearing the Zoot Suit, stylizing space and time, and they were not fighting the war, so these sailors attacked so it's not only an attack on black bodies, it's an attack on black and brown style. Oh, 
So the zoot suit itself represents this kind of intersectional cross-cultural moment. It's not just something that used to be. So there are people in here who probably, until the visual uh, 
the visual representation did not know what that meant. And they are so lucky to have a theologian like yourself. Give it. So please, uh, Brother Hedick, school us in three, two, uno. There's something beautiful about black life. It's found in the way we love each other, the way in which we build community, the way in which we navigate the difficulties of white supremacy. But there is a score, a scourge. There is a disease. There is something that wants us. And it has something to do with what is called. It's a condition. It's a condition. It's called ashiness. And what is ashiness? It is the threat, the overwhelming threat, the metastasizing threat of dry skin. Of dry skin. It can enter into the creases of your fingers. It can attack the back of the heel of your feet. Elbows and, and touch your knees. And one of the things that you can't do is to have the ash touch each other. But if you let your hands come together and your knees 